We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone. This is the recently engaged Tyler here, and I'd like to tell you how you can end up with someone way out of your league. See, some would look at me and call me Megamind or the Thumb from Spy Kids or Chicken Little, and they'd be right. But what do I have going for me? It's the performance of my package. The Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped, that is. Inside, you'll find the upgraded Lawnmower 4.0, Weed Whacker, Crop Preserver, Crop Reviver, boxer briefs, and a shed travel bag. And if you couldn't figure out what those were from the description, I'd be happy to draw you pictures. Get the package to take care of the lackage in your package in the sackage by using our code GUILTY at checkout for 20% off your next order. You won't regret it. Hey guys, welcome into the Guilty as Charged podcast. I hope that we have uh, fixed our little <laughs> internet issues. Had a had a crazy start today. You know, we're we're sitting here about to start recording, and and some man puts a ladder up next to our house, and I we had to go fix that. So, little crazy start. Now my dog's barking again. Uh, <laughs> crazy start, but excited to be here today. Um, got a lot of things to talk about. Sorry, I hopefully he stops barking in a little minute here. Um, but we got a lot of stuff to cover. There's been a ton of press conferences for the Chargers the past couple days. And of course, we are going to do our 53-man roster projection today. So fun episode planned. Uh, joining me, as always, are Tyler and Alex. Alex, how are you doing, man? And uh, how are the 76ers uh, doing? Probably not great. I don't know what Joel Embiid's knee is like. It's probably a mess. But Something that's not a mess is that Tyler is officially engaged. Uh, I wasn't here last episode. Well, actually, I was, but not really. Um, <laughs> we, we won't talk about that appearance. Uh, but yeah, I would just like to announce that uh, for everyone uh, in the GAC audience who is single, I'm officially a representative. I'm taking that title now that Tyler is officially <laughs> off the market. Tyler, how you doing, man? I'm great. I'm happily engaged, Migged. I know a lot of people in the last set of comments... We're unhappy that I decided to talk about my engagement, um, so I'm going to talk about it a little bit more. It was a really, really good time. I had a great time seeing my extended family and giving people so many hugs. Yes. And You know, if you want to go down the guest list, I can. I had her father named Ricardo and her mother named Sherry. My parents are named John and Andrew. I'm kidding. I'm not going to keep you guys hostage. But listen, <laughs> we'll talk about whatever you want, because guess what? 
We have yeah. like two minutes of, ch- of chatting about whatever, and then we talk about Chargers football. So hang in there. Right. And if two minutes is too much for you, that's why you're still single. <laughs> there we go. No, it, it was great to hear the responses from a couple of people that were, you know, I, I, I think, you know, me personally, if I'm going to listen to a podcast, I would like to know a little bit more about the people who are hosting and the people that I'm listening to and, you know, get to know them a little bit. And, and you know, I think, you know, we've got an interview today on the audio version with Fernando Ramirez and, you know, him and Gilbert Manzano are doing a great job with uh, Compas on the Beat. And it's a way for us as Chargers fans to get to know those two writers in a way that we previously didn't have. So I think personally, you know, getting to know people through, you know, whatever, if it's two minutes or three minutes or an entire podcast, I think that's a great way to, you know, to get to know people. So that's just my sense. And Tyler, again, you know, congratulations. I'm super happy for you. Um, and, you know, we're looking forward to, to seeing that journey as well. I should also say that we are presented by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Uh, it's been a great, you know, experience for us. And, you know, it's a company that is continuously growing. So please give them a follow. Um, so we're going to transition right now. The audio version is going to be the audio version of my interview with Fernando Ramirez is going to happen right now. And then after that, we'll talk about some of the press conferences and uh, our roster projections. So here is Fernando. Hey guys, welcome back to the Guilty as Charged podcast. Happy to be joined again by Fernando Ramirez. It's been a minute, but Fernando, thanks for joining me. How are you doing today? Appreciate it. Yeah, no fun. Uh, it's a, it's about to be that time where we have that break in between uh, mini camp and and training camp. So I'm a little excited. I think it's funny because uh, talking to some of the Chargers uh, PR people, they're like, "Oh yeah, the coaches have their cars ready to go, bags <laughs> packed, and they're ready to get out of here." And I'm kind of the same way. Like, gotta go Tuesday and Wednesday, but I'm like, okay bags are packed let's see where are we gonna go next so it's definitely uh one of the one of those where it's like school's almost over and you're excited for summer break but uh but yeah no it's definitely a lot of fun thank you for having me on yeah i especially imagine you you know i didn't know this but i learned on on compos on the beat your new podcast that you still live in san diego so you still got a heck of a drive up i assume you don't have a a philip rivers-esque type setup so i imagine that drive must be a little uh difficult at times you know what i'm not gonna lie so my brother daniel uh he's a huge chargers fan been his whole life he actually drives me up sometimes like when he's he's okay. uh so like the, at times where he's able to to take me he'll take me up and and he'll be like i'll drive i'll drive i'm like all right cool so he we're, we're different in the sense of he i like uh reggaeton uh <laughs> rap music stuff like that he likes yeah. country so wow. on the way up I, we're listening to country music and and I, i'm learning i'm learning to like it <laughs> I'm, I'm actually adapting to it i actually really like it so yeah sometimes uh, sometimes I, I i do i do have that comfort where i go up and i drive up and sometimes pop or, or gilbert will be like who who dropped you off and i'm like an uber and i'm like no it's my brother like oh hey daniel how are you doing so yeah, it's one of, I I have a, a little bit of luxury, but no, when it's just me by myself, I don't mind the drive. It's actually really smooth. Uh, it's just from Chula Vista to Costa Mesa. So it's about an hour and 15, hour and 20. So it's not, it's really not that bad. Well, man, that, I just had this funny picture in my head now of you and your brother just listening to country music. That's hilarious. <laughs> and the funniest part is he's like singing along to us. So sometimes I'll sing along if I, I understand it, but I don't like to because I tell him my rule. When I have reggaeton or rap or something, he tries to like mumble or like rap the words. Or, <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, and my rule is if he sings, I skip the song. So I don't sing and I don't sing when he's driving. He doesn't sing when I'm driving. So, and I've done it to him. Like there's a song that comes on and he's like, all excited for it. He starts to, to sing it. And I'm like, nope, skip. 
and he's like you are a piece of crap and i just started laughing so it's definitely like those rides like those memories i'll have forever and i just love going up there with him because we're always joking around and stuff and and it's a great time that's amazing nothing like a road trip with your with one of your yeah. brothers am i right yeah. so yeah yeah uh chargers fans this is this is a fun one for us you know fernando is in the podcast business himself him and gilbert manzano uh are doing the compas on the beat so fernando uh, what has that journey been like for you guys? And, you know, how did it get started? Because I think there aren't many other beat writers, at least from what I've been able to see, you know, around the league that are doing their own podcast. So what was the inspiration behind Compass on the Beat and how's it been going for you guys? It's uh, thank you for that, by the way. Uh, it was it was interesting. Uh, Gilbert and I like last I think it was like last November at halfway point of the season. I'm like, Gilbert, do you want to do a YouTube video where we take fans questions and and mm-hmm. kind of just like answer them and stuff. He's like, yeah, let's do it. So we did it. We last about an hour and 45 minutes doing it. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, that was a little long. Oh, yeah. Then uh, we do it again at the end of the season to talk about the firing of Anthony Lynn and all this other stuff. And then I'm like, okay, we did two hours. I'm like, dude, we got to <laughs> cut it down. Then we invite Daniel Popper on another hour and 45 to two hours. Oh, yeah. So uh, a couple of weeks passed by and then Gilbert texts me. He's like, hey, would you be interested in doing a podcast? And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, let's do something together. Let's we're two Latino beat writers. There's not a lot of us in the NFL. Right. Why don't we team up and do something? And I'm like, okay. So then we start going through names. That was a super long process. Cause I'm like, <laughs> cause he's like, let's just get started. I'm like, no, I don't think we can start a podcast without a name. Okay. So we start going through trial and error stuff. stuff, stuff. Then we land on, I think, I landed on the beat and he said compas. So like, or something to that extent. And like, we, we mash it up together and we're like, bro, like, let's do this. So it, it's been slowly growing. We're having a lot of fun with it. Uh, on the podcast that drops on Tuesday, we, uh, we review, um, a quiet place Two. Gilbert okay. had not seen, he just barely watched a quiet place one. And then he's watched number two. So we talk a little bit about that. Uh, we just, we like having fun with it. And that's the thing is that I feel like not a lot of fans know our personalities. I feel like our personalities aren't really like shown out there because we're not on TV. We're not on anything Mm, like that. So we decided to do this and people know that I'm the loud one. I'm the one that gets excited. Gilbert's the more quiet one that tries to reel me back in. So it's one of those things where we really have had a lot of fun with it. And it's, and it just helps us touch other sports. We don't have to just stick to football. We do wrestling. Uh, We do UFC. We talked about UFC boxing. We do all kinds of stuff. So honestly, it's been a lot of fun uh, getting to do something like that with, especially with somebody like Gilbert, who, like I said, we're the yin to the yang. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. And all the what's up, bros, man. I can't get enough of that. It's, Dude, it's today I got him. I, I got him with a good one today, and he was just like, like his eyes were like, I, I, it's just hilarious. <laughs> I told him, I'm like, bro, we gotta, I gotta do something where I create a TikTok with all the what's up, bros, we've done <laughs> with my with my what's up, bros, and then his reaction just to get just to get a kick a rise out of him. But it's it's honestly been a lot of fun. Like it's I I never known that doing a podcast was this much fun. I jumped on with you guys. I jumped on with other yeah. on other podcasts and stuff but I never knew how much fun this was. So it's, it's, it's honestly been a great journey and I, and I'm excited to, to have my tag team partner, as I call him the Eddie Guerrero to my Ray Mysterio kind of, kind of thing. No, actually I would be Eddie Guerrero because I'm the <laughs> flashy one and he's Ray Mysterio. There who's a little go. bit more of the, the quiet guy. So there you go. I love it. I love it. So Chargers <laughs> fans, make sure and check Compas on the beat out, you know, dropping every Tuesday, big fan of it. Uh, we're going to talk about some Chargers football, but, First and foremost, I'm a big foodie. I love to eat. And I got to know, Fernando, what was that that day when you guys went got to go try out all the food at SoFi Stadium? 
what's the lowdown on the food? Because I was I was a little disappointed by the pictures. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> so I'm a foodie too. I mean, as you can tell, like I I, I love <laughs> I love the quality of food. I love like when food is delicious. Like I'll go try any restaurant out. People are like, it's a little bit pricey, but if the food's good, I'm down Worth to do it, it and Absolutely. stuff. So when we got to the stadium, I was very excited. I was like, oh my God, this food looks good. The only thing that didn't look good to me was that cheeseburger sub. That to yeah. me looked like, am I allowed to say uh, three letter words or no? You can cuss if you want. Okay, to, yeah. cool. It looked like an ass bomb to me. So I'm <laughs> like, I am not like, I knew where I was going to end up if I ate that. So Gilbert decides to eat it and Gilbert doesn't have a strong Mexican stomach like I do. So like he gets to that. I go to the barbacoa burrito. That one's actually pretty good. Okay. That one's actually good. I, what I think I messed up though, I think I got the sauce from the nachos and I put it in the burrito. Bro, that thing is so bomb. If you put the <laughs> sauce from the nachos in the burrito, it is delicious. And uh, Omar Ruiz from NFL Network, he's uh, like, bro, where'd you get that sauce? I was like, it was right next to there. He's like, oh, I think that's the nacho, uh, the nacho sauce. And I'm like, but try it. He tries it. He's like, bro, this is bomb. I was like, yeah, I told you. So I told Gilbert, I think we should take a couple of bites out of everything and then try everything. He's like, all right, let's do it. The burrito, I had to finish it. I was like, this is way too good. I have to finish it. <laughs> so the pizza was very disappointing. Oh, man. Uh, it kind of tasted like Gilbert's got So Gilbert takes it out to do some TikTok or some crap. And uh, he takes it out and his, his pepperonis are burnt. And oh. he got a little disappointed. He's like, uh, uh. and then I'm like, bro, if you want, I opened mine. Mine's beautiful. I'm like, bro, if you want, you can use mine. He's like, you're a real one. Crabs it and like Instagrams it or whatever, or TikTok. I don't know which one it was. Little disappointing. Uh, the hot dog disappoint. Like it just. Um, I'm not I a hot it, dog guy. I'm not okay, a hot dog guy. I gave it a D plus. The food. Ooh. I didn't think it was that good. And then I, I like in my head, I was like, okay, this is gonna be priced. This, this, this. The dessert was actually pretty good. Oh, okay. The dessert was the good thing. Uh, they had some chocolate mousse thing that I like devoured. It was delicious. But then like as to, like Gilbert and I were like, okay, let's let's head out of here. And then I like felt a rumble in my stomach. I'm like, shh. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I can't leave here without going to the bathroom. So <laughs> I'm sure I'm gonna get the bill from SoFi for the for the plumbing. So it was oh, one God. of those things where yeah. So I'm just like, uh, like okay. So yeah, the food was okay. I mean, everybody has their own taste, but to me, it was a little underwhelming. Just because, like I told you, like I love doing food stuff. Right. Anything that revolves around food, I'll do it. But yeah, it was it was really disappointing. Oh. The tsunami uh, tots were actually really good. The only thing that it's missing good. is meat. If it had meat in it, it'd be even better. But it has like a Korean barbecue kind of sauce on it. Oh my god! It was that in the burrito, delicious. Everything else, toss up. There up you to go, your own guys. interpretation. <laughs> there you go. Make sure and get those burritos and the tots, and then oh, you yeah. guys will be good. Oh yeah. Um, all right, let's get to the nitty gritty, the football talk. Obviously, the Chargers have had rookie mini camp. They've had. You know, OTAs are wrapping up. And like Fernando said, it's kind of heading towards the break. So um, I think the biggest thing people are talking about right now, Fernando, in terms of the Chargers is, you know, is Justin Herbert going to take that next step or is he going to be experiencing a little bit of a sophomore slump? What are you hearing and seeing about Justin Herbert's development uh, over the last few weeks? Well, all that I know is the hair is back. Yeah, that's all that's important. That's all I, <laughs> I, I, I tweeted out a video a couple of weeks ago that the hair was back and I got like a lot of like, a lot of people were like, yes, it's back. And I'm like, Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, people really do yes. care about the haircut. So it was back. He looks bigger. That was my first okay. impression when I saw him. He looked bigger. I don't know if you saw that video that's making its way where he kind of went uh -huh. like that. He yeah. looked bigger to me. 
um, he's reached out to Drew Brees to uh, kind of help him out through this system. I don't know if that was Lombardi doing it or if that was uh, Herbert. I don't know if he connected them or if Herbert kind of reached out to him on his own. But he had told us from when he was hired, uh, when he won the uh, Rookie of the Year award, he had told us that he was going to reach out to Drew Brees to some other quarterbacks to kind of get uh, a sense of what um, what this new offense could be and everything. So he's reached out to Drew Brees. I, I wrote the other day that Herbert is going to be one of two people. Either he's going to have the similar season to the, what he had last year, or he's going to have a Patrick Mahomes, uh, Lamar Jackson kind of season where he just completely blows up. I am more of in the middle. I think he, I, I'm in the middle. I think he's going to have yeah. maybe like a 37, 38 touchdowns. He's, he, I think he could definitely do something like that. I wouldn't be surprised if he had either just because he's, it's another new offense. He's going to have to find the wrinkles of it. But I just really think that this Chargers team is positioned in a better way than they were a year ago because of the offensive line. Herbert got sacked yeah. around 32 times last year, and I remember he was under duress. A lot of those Very times, much. he and like the Tampa Bay game, he drops back, he holds the ball, holds it, holds it, finds Tyron Johnson, passes it when he's ready, and takes the big hit. I don't think that's going to happen as much this year. I feel like Herbert, and you know what? If he would have on, held on to that ball, he would have had a lot more, he would have been sacked a lot more times. Right. So I definitely think Herbert's going to improve a lot better in that area this year. I want to see how he does in the pocket because I know last year they would have him do eight, ten sub, step drops. He, I want to see him three step drop and then look and see if he can find uh, the receiver or whoever he's looking for. Now the question is who's going to make this team as the receivers? That's uh, to me, next, yeah. yeah. Oh my bad. <laughs> to me, Keenan, Mike, uh, Josh Palmer. I keep on wanting trying to call him Jordan Palmer, and I'm like, stop <laughs> trying to call him Jordan Palmer. Josh Palmer. Uh, and uh, we actually had him on Compas this week. Those three guys are, are 100% making the team. I still think Jalen Guyton and Tyron Johnson are going to make it. Now the question is going to be Joe Reed and um, KJ Hill, in my opinion. Well, obviously, you still have to say Jalen Guyton needs to do something. Uh, so does uh, Tyron Johnson. But I think those guys are a little bit of the locks in a sense. And then the other two guys are going to be the top. Like The last four guys are going to be toss-ups. So yeah. that's going to be very interesting to see kind of the way they handle it. But I really do think this offense is going to help Justin. I think this offense is for Justin. They're taking little things. Like I said recently, they're taking away something from San Francisco, which to me is going to be the running back. By, they're going to be throwing in running backs left and right. I think they're going to do a lot of different things with these running backs. Um, they're going to take some stuff out of Green Bay, some stuff from New Orleans, and some of the stuff that they liked to do last year what justin liked to do so i think this offense and like keenan allen said and, and mike williams this is going to let us fly it's going to give us more freedom i really do think that that's what's going to happen and mike williams being in that x role in that mike thomas role i really think is going to help benefit him especially because it seemed like last year towards the end of the season mike and and justin were starting to develop that chemistry which right. i think is going to help them out in the long run well, and we, to be, to his credit, right? Like we haven't really seen him have the opportunity to do other things besides the go routes. Like uh, I think it was next gen stats pointed out that he was, you know, second or third in the league and percentage of his routes being go routes. So I'm excited to see how his expanded role pans out as well. Do you think they're going to carry all four running backs or do you think that Josh or Kelly or Justin Jackson are maybe in danger of being cut? I think they really, I think they're going to like Joshua Kelly. I think Joshua Kelly just needed a confidence booster and maybe this is it. This is a new opportunity for him. I really did think that we saw a lot of positive from him at the beginning of the season last year, 
that, that, that first, those first three ga- two games, it seemed like him and Austin Eckler were having a good combo between them. Right. They were going each, each of them was getting a, a, a small or like him and Eckler were do, be, becoming a good tandem. And then that Carolina game where he fumbles and then the Tampa Bay game after he fumbled there, I thought he was in the doghouse for a little bit. And then uh, he had that, um, was it against Jacksonville where he met the guy swim moves him and he blocks the punt. Oh, that might've yeah, been yeah. the Jackson. Yeah. So I just think things worked against him last year. And now I feel like he has a new opportunity. Um, I, I do believe, I think they're going to, I think they might carry four, man. I mean, they're going to need two of them to play special teams to obviously carry them, but as well, I think they're going to want to switch and care and switch out the different running backs and kind of give everybody a little bit of, um, a little bit of uh of the carries and and plays and stuff but the thing is can justin jackson stay healthy right ever since his rookie year i mean his rookie year he showed out that at the end of that season but then since then it's been a, it's been hard for him to stay on the field that's going to be really the question when it comes to him and then joshua kelly obviously can you rebound from that terrible first year can you put that in the back of your head and come out and help against buffalo last year he had that 50 yard uh carry and and then he uh finished it with a touchdown so it's going to be really interesting to see the way he kind of uh bounces back and then if justin can stay healthy but to me i mean obviously austin and larry roundtree basically uh have positions available and larry is going to be one of those guys that's really going to help these guys i think he he really could make a a name for himself obviously on special teams but he could really help this team when uh when he gets in there to get some carries yeah, that's absolutely a good call. I know I like Roundtree a little bit more than some of the other people on, on Chargers Twitter do, but um, that's perfectly okay with me. Um, you know, I think one of the bigger X factors of this season for the Chargers is going to be how Uchenna Unwosu develops and how he plays alongside Joey Bosa. Um, what have you been hearing from him? I know, you know, he's talked about taking another step in, in terms of being a leader. What are you hearing and seeing about Unwosu as he's heading into a contract season? Well, it seems like the the Chargers are very excited. The new coaching staff is excited about him. Uh, Ronaldo Hill said that he likes his versatility, the way he kind of is able to move. Um, it, it's really Uchenna's time to kind of step up. I mean, we saw it against Baltimore a couple of years ago where he had that strip sack of uh, Lamar Jackson. And you think, oh, wow, maybe this guy could be a player. Then the next two years, he's kind of been in and out. Uh, last year, I remember when Melvin Ingram uh, went down, I thought Uchenna was going to step up and he had some games where he had a sack. I think he had a sack of Drew Brees in that Monday night football game. He had a couple of uh, stuff here and there, but he's never really blown up the way you thought he was going to. And I feel like he said, uh, my bad, he said this last week that he's been looking at uh, Leonard Floyd film. Mm-hmm. Yes, Leonard Floyd and him are completely different when it comes to body size and, right. and all that. But he could, uh, Brandon Staley and Ronaldo Hill's defense could really help him in the sense of uh, one of those guys that really didn't, um, he didn't live up to the sort of hype that he had his rookie year. And maybe he can change it in this system and they can help him really uh, take off this next season. So I really do think he, he, he's kind of in a make it or break it kind of season. Um, the Chargers are going to need him to step up, especially because there's no more Melvin Ingram. I mean, you right. can't just come in and, and Melvin goes out and then you make some plays. No, now you're going to be counted on to to um to be in there for a couple of more snaps, especially because I just saw a list today of the best tandems in the NFL from pass rushing, and there was no there was no Charger players on there. Why? Because yeah. it's Joey Bosa, and then there's a gap, and you're kind of figuring out who that guy is going to be that steps up and becomes that 
tandem partner with Joey Bosa, but I really do think that Uchenna knows what's at stake this season. And I feel like he, he could be the guy that steps up and really makes a name for himself in Brandon Staley's defense. Absolutely. It's a, it's going to be really exciting to watch him. And, and, you know, there's, there's a few players who really fit that description of being a make or break season. So yeah, it's going to be exciting to see how those pan out. Um, last one here for me, Fernando, I know the chargers only have, I think 82 players on the roster. I think it might be 83 actually. Um, do you think we'll see them sign any more free agents before training camp, maybe get some more bodies in? Um, I know a lot of people have asked us about Melvin Ingram, but Tom Telesco kind of shut that door pretty loudly during his Q and a. So do you think the chargers make any other moves to bring in any more veterans before training camp? I think it's going to depend on what the practice squad roster is going to be, what the size of it is going to be. And um, I, I do think they, they could make a couple of more signings just to, just to get bodies in there. Like you said, and I mean, I think, I think from what I understood, I mean, what I understand is the first preseason game is going to be kind of like the first and the second one combined. The okay. second preseason game is going to be like the third where they let the guys go a little bit longer. Mm. And then the, the third is going to be like the fourth one where basically, I mean, and I, I'm not saying that that's how the charge are going to do it. I just think that's how the NFL is going to do yeah. it as general. Yeah. So I think that third game is going to be really the game where you try and find, or, I mean, try and find and see what guys mix and match and who plays well. So I could see the Chargers signing a couple more guys. I just don't know if they'll go and hit that 90. It'd be really interesting. I know that the NFL, they came out and said that it's 90 now, I think for the, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, for the size. So it's going to be interesting to see if they sign seven more players. I'd really, I really want to see who, um, who they would bring in. I mean, would they go out and get, uh, um, a Richard Sherman or something like that? I don't think so. I think it'll be more players who are college players who uh, who could have a chance, but it, it's going to be interesting because I, I want to see the 90, 90 guys. I mean, you should have the full 90 Absolutely. because that just helps you. It helps other players see kind of where they're at also, and you just never know. I mean, there could be a guy right now sitting on his couch waiting for an opportunity, and who knows, maybe he's the next guy that makes the roster and he's able to to help your team out. So I, I – sorry, <coughs> my bad. Um. I could definitely see uh, them filling it out, but it's just it's just really going to be on Tom Telesco and Brandon Saley. Like, do they want more guys in there? Are they comfortable with the guys they're going in with? So it's there. I'm I'm not going to try and guess what they what they do because this team is one of the more mysterious teams in the yes. NFL. So it, it, it's hard to predict kind of what they're going to do. But I definitely, uh, if I if I was them, I definitely would try and uh, and make it to ninety just to just to. Um, just to get more bodies in there and, and, right. and kind of give guys breaks and stuff like that. Absolutely. I think that that is the right call. And yes, it is. It is a very fickle business trying to predict what Tom Telesco does on a, on a roster. So I've been uh, very curious to see how that pans out. Well, Fernando, thank you so much for joining us, man. Chargers fans, make sure and check out Fernando on Twitter, check out his articles on sports illustrated and keep an eye out on all the compass on the beat uh, episodes that come out every Tuesday. Thanks again, Fernando. Appreciate you. All right, so let's there. Like I said, there were eight press conferences since we have recently talked. You know, there's been, you know, players and of course Brandon Staley. I, I would like to start with what uh, Jared Cook and Corey Lindsley talked about yesterday. Um, one of the reporters asked Jared Cook, you know, how much of this offense is rooted in the Saints, and, and someone asked Corey Lindsley how much is rooted into what he knows. Um, and Jared Cook basically said that. 
you know, 30 or 40% of the Saints playbook is in play for the Chargers. And then Corey Lindsley talked about, you know, the run game being kind of the familiar concepts for him, of course, you know, being from Green Bay, which is the Shanahan system. Um, and Daniel Popper did a great job kind of outlining it. It basically seems like the passing offense of the Chargers is going to be the Saints and the rushing attack for the Chargers is going to be like the 49ers and Packers. So, um, Alex, what are kind of your takeaways of hearing these two veterans talk about the dynamic of the Chargers offense and what it's going to look like? I think it's mostly what we've heard the whole time uh, regarding yeah. the kind of offense so far. But, uh, you know, it was kind of refreshing to hear the passing offense not be, you know, Shane Steichen and the rushing offense be up the middle. Um, so those those are both refreshing things. Um, but yeah, no, uh, it, it's just a good thing to hear. And for someone like Jared Cook, who has a lot of familiarity with the coaching staff, as we know with uh, Frank Smith, who produced some of his best seasons, someone like Corey Lindsley, who is a little bit familiar with this team already, given that he has uh, Brian Balaga on the other side there. Uh, I think that's a very good thing in general, just that, you know, this offense is starting to get a little bit more revamped, uh, a little bit more refined from what it used to be last year, which was just raw talent, but, you know, used incorrectly a lot of the time. Yeah, definitely. No, it's very refreshing to hear that they're taking this approach, even though we know that that's kind of the direction they went, and that's why they brought in Lombardi, that's why they brought in Shane Day, that's why they brought in Corey Lindsley, that's why they drafted Rashawn Slade, they went right in this different kind of offense, and it's super refreshing. I don't think in any of the practice videos that they've shown that I've seen one run up the middle. Everything's been like a toss or whatever or some zone outside run. I don't think I've seen a single run up the middle. Maybe that's just coincidence. I don't know. But it's very refreshing to see. I was a little surprised that Jared Cook said that there's more talent on offense on this team than he had at the Saints, um, particularly because, I mean, maybe for counting offensive skill talent perhaps, but that offensive line. And their backfield is probably better too. So, I mean, I appreciate him saying that. I don't quite agree. But I do think like they do I do think they have the personnel to be as good, if not better. And they do have the offensive line, I think, now to be as good, if not better. And so sure, I guess he, I guess he, I could see why he would say that, yeah, you know, I think this I think this group is at least the same, but he said better, so I don't know if I agree with yeah. that. I don't know about you guys. He has six million reasons to say that they're better. <laughs> <laughs> that is right. You know, obviously, you know, I think everyone's gonna kind of talk positively about that. Um, and, and, you know, Joey Bosa kind of said the same thing today, right? Like, he's like, I, I, I don't want to be, like, super, you know, he, he was kind of expressing, you know, his cautious optimism, but he's like, I, it is exciting. Like, we do have a lot of talent here. We do have a lot of, you know, exciting pieces. And he mentioned the O-line looks awesome, which has really been, you know, obviously the focus of, of the team. So I'm just so excited to see how this offense comes together. You know, like we Tyler and I talked about in the last episode I've been reading, you know, about the Sean Payton offense and Drew Brees, who was at practice today, and how those two have kind of, you know, come together to create this crazy offensive system. And, you know, if Joe Lombardi, you know, is able to bring, you know, 30, 40% of what he knows, then then so be it. Um, and then that's something that is, is very exciting to me. I like Tyler's tweet today, how he was like, you know, it's a shame that Brandon Staley's biggest selling point was like, we're not going to be terrible anymore. And, you know, that is something that we talked about in the after they fired Anthony Lane. It was, you know, we all kind of pointed out that the culture of this team seems to be in a good place. They really just needed an upgrade in the X's and O's department, in the attention to detail department. And obviously that remains to be seen. But so far, everything appears to be on track. I also like that they are, you know, I know that Justin Herbert, everyone's like, oh, he has to learn a new offense, yada, yada. 
But now he's learned, or he supposedly is going to be learning different offenses. And say Lombardi gets a head coaching job somewhere else, Staley is always, always going to implement a Shanahan, McVay, a Peyton kind of offensive coordinator. So even if he picks another offensive coordinator from another group, say Lombardi leaves, that everything will pretty much be the same. So as long as Staley's the head coach, and that's what they're running, even if Joe Lombardi leaves, you know, Herbert's got it figured out. It's not like he's going to have to learn a new offense when another guy shows up. Right. He'll just pull a guy from another system that he's familiar with. Right, and I also think it's better that they are doing this now and they feel confident that they have the guy now. I was watching SportsCenter the other day and they were at Browns camp and you realize someone like Baker Mayfield has had like three or four different coaches uh, in the time that he's been in the NFL. Um, And that's, you know, kind of every summer you have to learn a different system. And I know Baker Mayfield gets a lot of crap because he didn't want to learn the Chargers playbook. Um, But, you know, going through that each year, uh, you know, that's why I think a lot of people were just not proponents of bringing Anthony Lynn back and just cutting the cord now uh, and getting that into a young team. Uh, getting that new coach into a young team. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad that you talked about Brandon Staley in that way because, you know, he's saying all the right things in terms of building this offense around Justin Herbert, and that's not going to change, right? And, you know, who's to say, like, you you teach this offense to Joe Lombardi and Joe Lombardi brings it in and he teaches everybody else and, and perhaps he leaves and then maybe Frank Smith gets elevated offensive coordinator. Maybe Shane Day gets off, elevated offensive coordinator. So, it seems like there would be a an organic level of growth within the offense, and that's something that Brandon Staley has talked about as well. So, um, you know, they, they are not shying away from expectations about Justin Herbert, which I personally love. You know, that's, that's the name change today, you know, Justin Herbert to the moon. Um, and, you know, Drew Brees and Brandon Staley kind of echo the same things, that, like, Yes, people might be talking about the Chargers in a way that's very positive, that it does have high expectations. But their expectations for Justin Herbert, like there's, they're not expecting a, a sophomore slump. They're not expecting anything less than improvement from what he did last season. I love that Brandon Staley said, you know, he did have a good season last year. He did have a, a good rookie season. But he's going to be in a better place at this time next year than he was this past season. So I love the way that they – have handled him you know and and it is kind of a concern right the sophomore slump is is very infamous but I love the way that they are attacking Justin Herbert's development and and I cannot wait to see how that pans out yeah and this is the whole point of taking him I mean you everyone talks about why do you take him his ceiling why do you take Patrick Mahomes it's his ceiling you just had to get you know get him into the NFL first but now they have the talent to maximize his ceiling and so, yeah, the, the sky is the limit. That's the whole point of taking him. And it's great to have a coaching staff and an offensive line that will maximize that. Well, I mean, we'll talk about the, you know, roster projections in a little bit. But, you know, I know there's going to be some Easton Stick fans that are sad that we're not maximizing <laughs> his talent instead. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> very weird. Maybe very it is weird. maximized. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very true. So let's shift a little bit to the defense. Um, you know, with, without trashing the previous head coaching regime, you know, Drew Tranquil's comments um, about just, it seems like, you know, the, the entire offseason, off right, it just seems like this team is, has gotten smarter. It's gotten more intelligent. And that's what Drew Tranquil kind of echoed, right? Like, we all remember the days when we had to see Denzel Perryman or Drew Tranquil, you know, line up in the slot against Tyreek Hill and Tyreek runs a slot fade and you're just like, 
well, <laughs> what is like what is happening here? And I liked how Drew Tranquil was like, you know, kind of laughing off, and he was like, you know, I think that I can cover anyone, but that's Tyree Kill, like that's a different dude, and so, yeah, and you know, it just seems like this defense is is really going to be able to seek out positive matchups, let people, you know, do what they do best. You know, Kenneth Murray has talked about, I'm going to play more downhill. Drew Tranquil kind of talked about, hey, my thing is coverage. Like, I'm going to cover more often. Same with Kaiser White. Um, but it is just kind of funny. Like, everybody's kind of just shitting on Gus Bradley and his scheme um, and in the in the process. I will say, to in credit to Gus Bradley, like, they're in those Chiefs games in particular, you know, he did hold Patrick Mahomes to, you know, 174 right. yards in that game Tranquil was referring to. Um, but there were also moments where, you know, he didn't adjust, right? Like, man, the Mexico yeah. game and then the Chiefs game the year after, like, everyone was screaming at the television, hey, put a QB spy on Patrick Mahomes and don't let him run for a yeah. first down. And, you know, he continuously let him run for first downs in those extended Chiefs drives. So that wasn't great. Uh, and, and that's just, you know, so I, I think if you adjust better and you have guys that are more comfortable with their matchups, that definitely is a better thing. Uh, I don't think Gus was necessarily a bad defensive coordinator, but I do think right. he was someone that was a little bit stuck in his own ways. Yeah, I'm starting to think he sucked. Every one of his players. Like, <laughs> like, listen, I expected Jalen Ramsey to come out and say that, like, yeah, you know, Jalen Ramsey's a talker. He's a corner. He's a talker. He's an athletic right. former first-round pick. He's going to talk. Kenneth Murray and Drew Tranquil couldn't have had, like, the nicer profiles of anybody that no. they've taken. Right. That's very high-character, kind people. And then when asked about Gus Bradley, they're like, that guy? <laughs> like, Pff. So, like, I didn't think Bradley was bad, really, but the way the players are, especially someone like Murray and, and Tranquil, coming out and saying, yeah, um... I wasn't good at that thing they were asking me to do, and now I'm in a position to do things that I'm good at. Like, my Gus Bradley thing, I'm starting to, like, I hesitate to say this, but I really think, like, Gus Bradley was almost a bigger problem than Anthony Lynn last season because, it like, that's pretty rough. I mean, he had all the talent, and he just never could maximize it. But now he has Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby, (laughs) and so I I know that the potential is going to be, I mean, if you talk about maximizing talents, there you go. Maximize. Yeah. Yeah, Maximus, ah. pun intended, uh, or not intended, maybe. Um, you know, Yannick and Gakwe saying that they're the best edge rushing duo. Jeez. Yikes, man. Um, you know, like there is, there is a kind of a method to the madness of Gus Bradley, but you've got to have elite talent to be able to do what he does best. And you know, it, it's simple, and that's his thing. Like that's that's what he wants to do. Is you know, give the players one or two reads. This is what we do on a play to play basis. But like Alex mentioned, you've got to be able to adjust in the NFL, and that was never really something that the Chargers were able to do. And and that was kind of a hallmark of Brandon Staley last year with the Rams, you know. And and he's kind of talked about that, being able to go into halftime, communicate things, and and come out and adjust to whatever the offense is giving you. So um, the other thing that I thought was really interesting was a comment from Chris Harris. Um, Chris Harris obviously had the the injury last season. Um, He did not play up to his you know, expectation to his past, and, and he's kind of acknowledged that. But something that he said was that him and Derwin James are going to be kind of treated as positionless players on this team, and that each of them have been learning three positions for this defense. And I think that is super interesting. You know, we can kind of dive into what those three positions would be. 
Um, but he himself talked about being more comfortable in this defense and being allowed to make more plays. And if you can have Chris Harris play at a, at a very high level alongside a healthy Derwin James, you know, then, you know, Tyler said this the other day, I think health is really the only thing that is going to impede this Chargers defense from being a great defense. Yeah, I guess it would be interesting to see if they really are thinking about just Chris Harris as like a deep safety on some snaps. Um, and then, you know, mm-hmm. and potentially he can also obviously play nickel and then he'll play outside corner on some certain snaps. Right. Um, so th- those might be the three positions, I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, no, I think just using Chris Harris as a versatile weapon as he is, um, you know, even though he's a little bit older, and I know there's some people who think that he's washed, you know, he was injured last year in Carolina, what can you do? Um, and so I think this year will be better for him. Uh, you know, obviously, the other thing is just having Derwin James on the field makes everyone else around that, uh, him better, right? Uh, especially right. in the secondary room. So I think that'll be yeah interesting to watch going forward. As far as the three positions for Derwin James, I guess they're really just talking about safety, uh, maybe as a pass rusher, I, you know, and then you can talk about maybe playing a little bit like in the slot in the nickel. I don't I don't know exactly, but they're really going to be all around the field. We know that uh, Brandon Staley wants to give multiple looks uh, for every kind of defender that's on the field uh, to the opposing offense. So uh, I think it's very good just to hear that, you know, the players will be used to uh, in terms of maximizing their abilities. Yeah. Chris Harris. I mean, it sounds about right. Slot outside and safety for Derwin James. I'm pretty sure he'll be play everything, but yeah. nose tackle. Like, I, can't, <laughs> I can't imagine there's a position he's not learning how to yeah. do. And I mean, yeah. he stepped in his rookie year and did everything well right. and became an all pro because of it but it's not surprising to hear all this um, last season troy hill took 361 snaps in the slot ramsey took 114 you know and the chargers like yeah. weren't kind of like that you know the only the, there was only one charger safety who had more than 14 snaps in the slot last season that was rachel jenkins whereas with the rams last season rap fuller and johnson all had 60 or more so having to be multiple in staley's defense that's no surprise so this doesn't surprise me but it is nice to hear and uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I think just the biggest thing, you know, that I've been reading about and, and hearing from this coaching staff is, you know, they're, they're trying to dictate terms mm-hmm. on offense that's going to be, you know, motion and personnel and pace. And then on defense, like, they're not going to pigeonhole themselves into matchups, right? Like, if Tyree Kill motions into the slot, they're not going to ask Drew Tranquil to cover Tyree Kill. If Darren Waller motions outside, they're not going to ask Tavon Campbell to cover <laughs> Darren Waller. Like they'll they'll put a positive matchup on him, probably Derwin James or Chris Harris. Um, and it, and it's that it sounds so simple, right? But that's the way that it should be, and and that's unfortunately not the way that it has been for the Chargers. Yeah. Who was um? Oh, never mind. Point is, if I saw Derwin James cover Keenan Allen one-on-one with a pass breakup in, in practice and then pick off yes. Hunter Henry like the next play, yeah, I'd be playing him in multiple spots too. Absolutely. Um, so that's all the thoughts that I had. I don't know, uh, Alex, if you had any other thoughts from the press conferences um, or Tyler, but if not, then we'll we'll move on. Yeah, I mean, I think it was cool to see Breeze there today. Uh, that that was yeah. just a fun takeaway, and I know people were like, "Why is it Rivers there?" <laughs> or stuff like that. But he's in Alabama and he's coaching his football team, so you know he doesn't always have to be here. But um, him being there with Lombardi and you know Herbert, I think that's relatively important. Uh, I I don't know. I don't think he's going to be involved in really anything during the season. 
But if he comes out a couple times and, you know, just is in constant contact with Justin Herbert, I think that's uh, really important just in terms of communicating with Lombardi. Yeah, I was I was a big fan of, of seeing Breeze there. And he said that he's he's only talked to Justin like when they played last year a couple times in the offseason and then today. Um, but, I mean, that relationship is going to be beneficial, right? Like the more that, you know, Joe Lombardi and Justin Herbert can talk to Drew Brees and, and be able to pick his brain, the better, right? And, you know, Justin Herbert talked in his press conference today about you know, sitting down with Drew Brees and talking about how to identify defenses and how to adjust on the fly. Those are both things that Justin Herbert needs to improve upon. And I think that's a big reason why they hired Brandon Staley. So, you know, who better to talk to about reading defenses and being accurate and adjusting on the fly and throwing with anticipation than Drew Brees, who, you know, has spent, you know, the last 20 years doing that kind of stuff in New Orleans. So I love the fact that he was around. I would love the fact... If if he were just a Saints player, that would still be great. But I also do love the fact that, like, hey, like, he was a, on the Chargers. Like, he did have some great moments for the Chargers. And, and kind of getting him back in the fold, I think, is super beneficial as well. Sure. All right. So, we are going to move on to our roster predictions. This is going to be very interesting. I'm, I'm excited to see which, uh, you know, which of the players each of us picks. I, I, I can't wait to hear Alex talk about Larry Roundtree. Um, for another time, but um, so let's go position by position, um, and then Tyler has the Google Sheet up here um, for our YouTube audience. For our audio audience, we will just obviously be able to talk about it. So let's start with the quarterback position. Um, obviously, Justin Herbert is going to make the roster. Uh, I think Chase Daniel is going to make the roster as well. You know, as much as I think Easton Stick has some untapped athletic potential. I do think that Chase Daniel and his veteran leadership will have the edge uh, for the backup spot. But then the question is, does Easton Stick make the roster? So I happen to think yes, but Alex uh, thinks that he will not. So Alex, why do you think the Chargers will ultimately decide to cut Easton Stick? I mean, I really think it's just they're keeping one or the other. Um, When they drafted Easton Stick, I mean, they didn't really know what the future was going to be and that they would have a top six pick and they would be able to move on to their new franchise quarterback after Phillip Rivers. He was just drafted as a, meh, you know, stash him guy, see if he develops. Um, Unfortunately for him, he's really only had one preseason and, you know, uh, last year, unfortunately, due to the pandemic and everything. But I just, you know, I mean, Brandon Staley kind of insinuated, uh, I think a couple months ago that they would basically only pick one of Daniel or Stick. And even if you assume Stick has some development and let's say he does good in the preseason, you know, six touchdowns, three interceptions, something like that. I, I just don't think you can account for, you know, him having that, uh, you know, in-game experience coming in for Justin Herbert if he needs to, right? That's something that, you know, uh, Chase Daniel is very familiar with. Chase Daniel also familiar with some people on this coaching staff. So to me, if you're going forward with Justin Herbert and you have the proper backup in Chase Daniel, I just question what the yeah. point of having Easton Stick on the team is especially, you know, we'll get to this later, if you're going to keep six wide receivers, if you're going to keep, you know, potentially four running backs with the drafting of Roundtree, it just doesn't seem like it makes sense, and it just feels like that roster spot would be better used as depth for other positions. 
Yeah, previously I would have said that they would keep stick. I'm going to say that they... I wouldn't be surprised me if they do. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't think I wouldn't be surprised if they do. But yeah. there's a couple reasons I wouldn't keep him, like, personally. One, if Herbert goes down. We're only seeing stick if Herbert goes down. They don't have any... They don't seem to have any role for stick on offense. They've clearly said he's not Taysom Hill. So that's out of the picture. So we're only seeing Easton stick as a backup, I guess, if Herbert yeah. goes down. And Chase Daniels now your starter. In that scenario, I would rather they just sign another veteran quarterback who's on the market to back up Chase Daniel than have Easton Stick. I'd think, right. um, even though Easton Stick does have the team familiarity, he doesn't have you know NFL rep familiarity. So I wouldn't exactly yeah. trust him, even if you know I had to have. If, if you're down to QB three and it's a backup, you know the second backup veteran that you've signed, you're screwed anyway. You're just gonna hand the ball to Eckler, try right. to get it to Keenan on whatever. So, like. I just at that point, what's I don't really wouldn't want Easton Stick on the field, and the second reason I wouldn't keep him is because the Chargers need some help in at depth at different spots. And I don't think it's they don't have that luxury to be able to keep Easton Stick this year. I think particularly on defense, there's a couple of guys, maybe some undrafted free agents, who I don't want to say they would deserve a spot more, but I would like to see them on the roster more than Easton Stick, because I do think those guys on defense are going to hit the field at some point, and they are more necessary than a QB three. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with either of you, right? I think, you know, the NFL is built to really only carry two two quarterbacks. Like, you, you know, you, the, you need those other roster spots, and, and neither of you are wrong there. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just wonder a little bit, you know, the Saints always carry three quarterbacks, whether that is partially because Taysom Hill it was technically a quarterback, but not really. Like, that's kind of up for the debate, right? Yeah. But. I don't know. I, I kind of lean towards predicting that they will keep him just because I, I think that this team views him as somebody who that they can continue to develop, somebody that they invested a, a decent you know amount of draft capital in to be that backup of the future. And I, I do also think that they know that Chase Daniel is getting up there in age. Like Chase Daniel is not going to be the backup forever. So I, I tend to think that they'll keep Easton stick around. Maybe that's on the practice squad. If they do cut him, maybe they're able to keep him there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not super confident in saying that they'll they'll keep him. Uh, I think you guys both made great points. I, it just kind of feels like they would want to hold on to him for another year and, yeah. and kind of see what they have with a new coaching staff. Um, so I, that's kind of my thinking, really. I'm not super confident in it, but I do think that they will. <laughs> and I also, you know, just want to say that, like, there's going to be people that say, like, oh, if they cut Easton Stick, that means that that pick sucked and was a failure. It's like, not really. Right. Like, you know, if no. you, the other choices there, and Jason Reed actually wrote an article about this on Bullbeat, where, like, Darius Slayton, Scotty Miller, and Miles Gaskin, am I losing sleep that I didn't get any of those players because we took Easton Stick? <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, just directions of franchises can change, you know, I don't think they could have predicted when they took stick that, you know, they were going to have a five and 11 season, uh, and that Philip Rivers would be out one year later. Um, they seemed relatively confident at the time that they were going to resign him, uh, but didn't happen. So I, I think directions of franchises can change and that's not necessarily a bad thing or negative thing, but I also wouldn't mind keeping him on the practice squad like you said yeah i think if you like if you really wanted to go look at recent draft history and look at teams that were drafting backup quarterbacks like i would you know wager that like 90 percent of them end up not making the roster so <laughs> i mean the, the, the Asensic has been on the roster for two years and 
you know, we'll have to see if that kind of continues, but um, we'll move on to the running back position. Um, do either of you think that this team keeps Darius Bradwell around? I, I, I hate that, you know, me being the biggest one on this group talking, talking about a player's weight. <laughs> Darius Bradwell still looks like he's big, man. Like, he he's bigger than Gabe Neighbors, and Gabe Neighbors is a fullback. Like, I, I just don't see a world in which they keep Darius Bradwell, unfortunately, for him. No, Ditto. yeah, I, I don't think there's any world where they keep him, especially because they drafted Roundtree. So if you're keeping right. at max, I think, four running backs, it, you know, there's just no spot for Bradwell unless, you know, some really bad injury happens to Justin Jackson or Kelly, uh, unless something like that happens. I, I just don't think there's really a spot. Yeah, he has neither the financial nor draft investment in him over any of these guys so yeah the talent we haven't seen him perhaps he has a good preseason but nah i i think at this point the the four that we all agree on are are going to be in the team yeah so i i guess the question is you know i put this out there on twitter for for other people to to talk about is you know who would be a surprising potential cut candidate it seems like a lot of people you know the most popular choice there is is joshua kelly um so you know we Tyler and I kind of talked about him and, you know, the pecking order there. Alex, do you think there's any chance that this team cuts Joshua Kelly and only carries the three running backs and not the four? Or where do you kind of land on who they keep, who they who do they not keep? I think there's a chance. I don't think it's particularly likely just because it is the same GM. And, you know, I don't think Tom Telesco wants to be like, yeah, let me just throw out that third round pick I invested a <laughs> day two pick into, right? Like, fourth or, round pick. yeah, fourth round pick day three. So, whoops. Uh, but yeah, so <laughs> I, I don't think that they are going to cut him. And I think that they can hope with this new coaching staff, he'll be better. Uh, a lot of people also mentioned Justin Jackson, but I, I wouldn't cut Justin Jackson either, given his, uh, I know a lot of people are, are questioning his injuries and, and his overall health, but to me, he's still the second most talented running back on this team, uh, regardless of that, until we see more from Kelly and uh, Larry Roundtree, so I, I just don't think there's any of those running backs that you're really cutting. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And at this point, looking at those four guys, Eckler and Jackson were either hurt or did get hurt by, what, week four of last season. Mm -hmm. So you're probably keeping four guys anyway because in the blink of an eye, you're going to need both of them. Well, I think, you know, if you're talking about, like, the San Francisco roots, right, that Shane Day is coming from and that this offense is going to be, you know, stemming from, the Niners always carried four running backs. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, the past couple of years, it's, you know, Tevin Coleman goes down and Jarek McKinnon goes down and Raheem Mostert goes down. So it's, it makes sense to have four guys that you like on the roster and, and be able to have that kind of flexibility. Um, you know, the difference is like we were talking about last time, Tyler and I, you know, how are you using these players? Because Austin Eckler is really the only like pass catching threat in my opinion. So we'll have to see there. I wrote an article for LAFB that, I wouldn't mind them signing another receiving threat just for, you know, at worst, like competition's sake. And, you know, a guy like Duke Johnson is still out there and be able to potentially get another weapon in there. But, you know, it does seem like they are content. So it uh, looks like all four of us are predicting all four running backs on the roster. We'll move on to the tight ends. Of course, you have Jared Cook, Donald Parham, Trey McKitty, Steven Anderson, the undrafted free agent Hunter Campmoyer. And then Matt Sokol, who has been with the team for, I think, a couple years, 
just on the practice squad, um, and then Gabe Neighbors as well. So um, any chance for either of you, I think Hunter Camp-Moyer could maybe push for a spot, being like that new guy, special teams guy, a blocker potentially. Um, any chance you think Matt Sokol or Camp Moyer or Steven Anderson, you know, challenge for a roster spot on the uh, final 53? I think it kind of breaks down into Anderson and Parham compete for that sort of receiver spot, and then you have a, a receiving tight end spot, then you have a bunch of guys competing for that kind of blocking role like neighbors and, and camp moyer i think that's a little bit how it breaks down obviously you know we'll see more in the preseason and training camp for me i yeah. went with uh, jared cook donald parham trey mckitty and gabe neighbors uh i i think they basically keep three tight ends and one fullback um so you know maybe you know steven's idea of converting hunter camp moyer to fullback sort of comes into play here um on the final roster but to me I just think it's kind of redundant to keep four tight ends again at this point, especially yeah. with the signing of Jared Cook and the drafting of Trey McKitty. Uh, they you know, simply seem to see him as a future tight end uh, of, of this team in general. So to me, I think you're really only keeping three tight ends and then one fullback. Yeah, I think I, think I agree with that. I, I definitely think so. I definitely think he's out. Sorry, I think Sokol is out. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, what it comes down to is, is, is really these four guys. I do think Neighbors makes the roster, especially if their run game is going to be rooted in more of a San Francisco style where they use Kyle Juszczyk 500 yeah. times a season. So, yeah. you know, it's really Parham or Anderson. But, you know, what we talked about, or Steven and I talked about in the last episode, was that three tight end set. And you want to be kind of multiple in those sets as a yeah. guy who can block. Like, you leave him in a block. Even if you have three tight ends and he's out there and he just blocks the entire time, whatever. But he's also a receiving threat. I don't think Anderson has that duo rolled right. down. Can he, is he a better pass catcher, like in theory, than, than Parham and McKitty? Probably. But he doesn't have that second element to him as a blocker. And he was responsible for many issues last season. So, yeah, obviously Cook makes the roster. Obviously McKitty makes the roster. I do think Donald Parham makes the roster. They have talked highly of him so far. Yeah. yeah, like I, I could totally see Anderson making the roster, and I'd have no problem with it because he is a bit of a more proven pass catcher. But I do think the Chargers took so much or put so much stock in Trey McKitty's Senior Bowl, and of course the development of Donald Parham and what he showed. So those guys, I do think they are, they think higher of them as receivers than maybe even we do. So could I see Anderson making the roster? Totally, nothing against it. But in this case, like I think he's the odd man out because he's not the stronger blocker. And then yeah, they do keep Gabe Neighbor. So. This one could swing either way for me, and I honestly wouldn't care either way. But, yeah, I'll say Anderson doesn't make the roster here. I agree there, and I do like his his skill set. I, I do trust his ability after the catch, mm-hmm. probably more than anyone else not named Jared Cook of this group. I think Anderson is is a really, really good athlete. After the catch, he could give you some fun, you know, screen packages and things like that. But when you have Jared Cook, it kind of becomes a little unnecessary. And I love the way that Justin Herbert talked about Jared Cook today as someone who can stretch the field vertically from the tight end spot, um, still at his age, being able to move the way he does is, is going to be fun to watch. And then, you know, Donald Parham, the thing that Joe Lombardi said about Parham is that he's 6'8". Like, you can throw <laughs> the ball to him anytime. Yeah. Like, he's going to be open. Um, and Jerby's kind of talked about that with, you know, Michael Thomas and Mike Williams saying that, you know, some guys are always unguardable just because 
of their natural gifts and being six eight mm-hmm. like that creates a lot of advantages for Parham. So if Parham like comes into training camp and he really really struggles, then sure I guess you could make the argument that Steven Anderson you know a little bit more safe of a player. Mm-hmm. You know what you're getting with him, but Parham just has such a high ceiling that I, I can't see them cutting him. So I think it's going to be like you guys said, Cook, Parham, McKitty, and, and then Gabe Neighbors. I will say like Camp Moyer, if he is a fullback. Then yeah. I think that gives him a better chance of making the roster personally, um, being that you know he does have a strong blocking background. But if they're looking for a Kyle Yushik type, that's not Hunter Campmoyer. <laughs> so <laughs> that uh, that definitely would be uh, you know a feather in Gay Neighbors' cap. All right, let's talk about the receiver room because I think this is really like the one of the more interesting roster groups, probably the most interesting in terms of mm-hmm. who makes it or not. Um, you know, something that, you know, I've kind of been reading in the Peyton and Breeze book is that the Saints generally prefer to have six receivers. They really put a, a high premium value on the receiver position. Um, so I, I do happen to think they will keep six. It just kind of depends which six. I think Keenan Allen, Mike Williams are obviously safe there. And Josh Palmer, you could put in there as well. Um, I, I cannot imagine they're cutting someone they just drafted in the third round. Um, after that, you have Jalen Guyton, Tyron Johnson, Joe Reed, uh, KJ Hill and Austin Pearl and Jason Moore, who kind of always comes to get you know, <laughs> forgotten about. So, um, Alex, which receivers do you think are making the roster? Um, and who do you think could potentially be, you know, a surprise cut maybe? I, I think the surprise cut that maybe is Jalen Guyton. Um, not that I think he will be, but Jason Guyton, or Jalen Guyton was kind of always an Anthony Lynn guy. Um, so maybe yeah. the new coaching staff doesn't like him as much. I think that would be the kind of surprise cut for me. Plus, he does have the drop percentage thing, and this new coaching staff is into analytics. So you know, if two months if two months from now, you know, we're talking about Jalen Guyton being cut, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, but yeah. I do ultimately have him in my field of six receivers that I took. I had Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Tyron Johnson, Jalen Guyton, Josh Palmer. Uh, those five feel pretty safe to me as of now. And then I think you have Austin Prohl, KJ Hill, Joe Reed, uh, and J- uh, Jason Moore competing for that last spot. I don't feel confident about this at all, but I went with Joe Reed um, <laughs> just because he does have uh, some of that special team flexibility. You know, he can kind of come out of the backfield or be a receiver. And if he learns to be a bit of a better route runner, like I sort of, do think he has the most upside of that group um but i i wouldn't be shocked if it was kj hill you know people brought up austin Prohl today I, that would surprise me but you know it's a new coaching staff and they just brought him in as sort of their guy um you know as their signing so I, I wouldn't be stunned i guess but yeah i went with alan williams johnson guyton palmer and reed and if they only keep six, I have to agree with you there. You know, I'd like to be keep KJ Hill on the roster, of course, but if it comes down to seven, it's between Hill and Prohl. And I could see it going either way. I think Prohl's maybe a little bit more shifty in the open field, and KJ Hill did struggle with a couple of drops early on last season. I don't know how they how he fared the rest of the way, but Austin Prohl does have those short hands, and like you said, they do prefer the analytics, and the analytics say that Prohl has really good hands. Um, so... If it comes down to wide receiver seven, I'll go Prol. But if they are keeping six, like you said, then I think you have to keep Joe Reed, who does have the highest upside of that group, and who does have the most investment from the GM. 
Well, I think, you know, when it comes to, like, projecting the roles of these players, right? Like, K.J. Hill or Austin Prohl, I feel like generally would be almost exclusively, like, punt returners for this team, like, Mm -hmm. if they're kept. Whereas I think with Joe Reed, you have some flexibility there as, you know, maybe that kind of, like, Darren Sproles type of player for them, you know, maybe work him into the backfield, maybe work him on some gadget plays, and then, you know, he's got a great athletic profile. So, you know, Tyler talks about ceiling. I, I think that's the one. So I, I do happen to agree. I think Allen Williams, Guy and Palmer, and Johnson are safe. You know, yeah. I, I think, like like Alex, I would not be stunned if they cut Jalen Guyton because of his drops issues. Um, but I do happen to think those five players will, will stay. And then right now I, I would put a hunch on Joe Reed. So... Um, let's move on to the offensive line. Obviously, the uh, projected started five are safe. Rashawn Slater, Matt Filer, Corey Lindsley, Ode Abuji, Brian Balaga. I think all five of those players are obviously safe. What is interesting is obviously the depth pieces and who they decide to keep. They have Trey Pipkins, Tyree St. Louis, Scott Questenberry, Brendan Hymas, Storm Norton, uh, and then some undrafted free agents in Darius Harper, Nate Gilliam, Ryan Hunter, who they signed last year to the practice squad formerly of the chiefs uh and then kyle spaulding so um tyler we'll start with you here how many offensive linemen do you think they will keep uh and do you see any potential surprise cuts from this uh backup group yeah sure let me just go through the list so yes later filer lindsley abushi balaga i mean if there was a surprise cut but it would kind of make sense it'd be pipkins but i don't really think that'll happen like it would be surprised but it's not like He's irreplaceable, so it wouldn't surprise me, but it would surprise me. So I do think that Pipkin sticks yeah. around, and why not? I do think Questenberry, also Pimus definitely sticks around because he was just drafted. Norton, I still think it's worth having. I don't feel confident as for either swing tackle. If you consider Pipkins yeah. and Norton both swing tackles, like I don't really feel super confident. But I'd rather have both. If I had to pick, I guess I would go with Pipkins because... The team seems to think that, yeah, he's definitely just a kind of a swing developmental guy, but they know what they had in him, and they have in him, and they can try to make it work. That's as much as Staley kind of has said so far. Um, yeah, Questenberry obviously is going to stay. I, I saw that Alex kept Tyree St. Louis, and I actually think that... I'm not sure about that. I do think Scott Questenberry, technically on ESPN, the list, he's listed as, as a center slash guard, and I believe maybe because they were out of bodies... But Questenberry was taking some snaps at guard as well. And so I do think that he actually kind of could fill as that extra guard, swing guard, if you will, or swing interior offensive lineman behind the other guys. So while I do think it's probably worth keeping an extra guard, again, the defense, the defense, like I think that there are guys on the defense, these undrafted free agents or some guys on the bubble that are worth keeping and maybe risking letting one of those guards go. So I think I'll keep Norton and let St. Louis go. So before Alex goes, uh, Questenberry did play at guard. He was the one who stepped in after Ryan Groy got mm. hurt, um, I believe, against the Jaguars. Okay, I great. Think. Um, so Questenberry did take some snaps at guard, but the previous coaching staff was was obviously a little reluctant to play him out there at guard mm-hmm. um, you know, full-time. Yeah, I mean, it, Tyree St. Louis is someone that I think could go either way. I'm not really, like hard on keeping him but I, I think that you re- for me I just really went with the five starters and the five backups you know really just keeping yeah. 10 offensive linemen makes sense and maybe we'll see something in the preseason and training camp from 
Harper, Gilliam, uh, Hunter, and Spalding, but, like, I just don't know yet. Like, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie and say, like, oh, I watched five hours of Kyle Spalding film, because I haven't. Um, so, I mean, when I see them play, maybe there will be, you know, an interesting little twitch that, that gets me, but for me, I just went with those ten, um, and sacrificing guard depth, you know, I think that might be a good point. My only thing with that is if you have to move Hymas out to tackle because, say, Balaga goes down, like, that to me is where I think you would still want more guard depth and a next man up sort of mentality. So that's sort of why I, I was hesitant about cutting, you know, St. Louis. Um, but, you know, it, and it's also a new coaching staff, so, like, you know, maybe there's more change that I'm thinking and they really like Nate Gilliam or they really like... Uh, Ryan Hunter over Tyree St. Louis. If that's the case, then I could certainly see him uh, getting cut, or maybe they go with nine, like Tyler said. Um, but I really just went with the starting five and their sort of projected backups on the depth chart right now. Yeah, I think the uh, in terms of the undrafted free agent guys, I, I think maybe Nate Gilliam could have a chance to make the roster because uh, you know he is a more traditional interior offensive lineman. Mm. You know, I am a little intrigued. Um, I can't remember which one is which between Harper and Spalding. The one from Cincinnati is the one that is, like, athletically a little more intriguing. Um, I want to say it's Harper. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so, yeah, so Darius Harper is the one from Cincinnati. He, he's got an intriguing RES score, very similar to Trey Pipkins uh, athletically. So uh, he, there is some intrigue there. I hope that they could keep him on the practice squad. Um, but Ryan Hunter, Kyle Spaulding, I, I don't really see any chance there. Um, so to me, I think they'll keep nine offensive linemen. Obviously, the starting five, I, I can't see a world they keep, they cut Trey Pipkins unless he gets injured. Like mm-hmm. uh, Tom Telesco uh, is not going to cut somebody that he drafted and kind of staked his reputation on. So I think Pipkins is safe. I think Questenberry is safe. I think Hymas is safe. Um, right now, I have Storm Norton as the ninth one. Um, so we'll have to kind of see how that pans out, whether they choose like a more traditional guy like Nate Gilliam or Tyree St. Louis has played some guard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just kind of trust the development more of Storm Norton. Yeah. And then, you know, they can kind of figure the interior spots out with Questenberry and Hymas. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move to the edge rushers. Um, you know, Joey Bosa, Uchenna Umosu, Kyler Fackrell, Chris Rumpf, obviously all safe. Um, the question marks here really are, you know, is Joe Gaziano an edge rusher guy? Is he an interior rusher guy? Yeah. How much do you trust Jesse Lemonye or Emeka Egbole to make the roster? Um, is Emeka Egbole a edge rusher or is he a linebacker? Right. Um, so for me, I'll start this one off. I, I, I think they'll keep the main four in terms of the edge rushers. Um, I do not have them keeping Jesse Lemonier or Emma K. Egbele or Joe, Go- Joe Gaziano. Um, I just think it's a little difficult to project those players right now. Um, so I'm going to say that all three of those players end up getting cut. I, I think they're going to keep Emma K. Egbele, not because he's necessarily great, um, but I do think him being able to be a pass rusher or a linebacker is kind of, I I listed him as linebacker just because that's technically what his position is. Um, But I think that flexibility there is pretty good. Not that he's the greatest player, but if guys go down, um, I think he might need to play, right? So 
to me, I think I went with four DEs basically straight up with Bosa and Wosu, Fackrell and Rumpf. Um, and then I included Egbule in, in my linebackers section, but it, it wouldn't surprise me to see Egbule get cut uh, in favor of somebody else. I just, you know, the linebacker room is really thin, so just having a guy who's, whose position is technically linebacker there uh, I, I think is fine behind uh, Tranquil, White, and uh, Murray. To me, I personally think if he's considered a linebacker, he has a less chance of making the team than as an edge rusher. Hmm. As an edge rusher, like I think he might have a better shot because it's really that starting four, and then like they could use another guy. And I think Eggbully could yeah. be that guy. Whereas we know this defense, they're not exactly going to prioritize linebackers. They definitely have three linebackers that they're keeping. They have a fourth that they just drafted that they're probably keeping. So Eggbully would be like number five, and he's competing with you know Ogbong Bamiga, I guess Christensen, but we really think it's Ogbong Bamiga there. So... I think if he's an edge, he has a better chance of staying. But even then, like yeah. I, st- I still think that all three of these guys are not going to make it because I think I need to push, again, some guys on defense over these edge guys. But I would not be surprised to see one of them make the roster, and I wouldn't be surprised to see two of them on the roster at some point because of injuries. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do think of those three, you know, I'm a little bit more intrigued by Joe Gaziano, you mm-hmm. know, somebody that... I really liked coming out of college as, you know, a late round sleeper, the all time leader in sacks at Northwestern, which to me matters a lot, you know, being able to go up against big 10 competition, no shade to Liberty or Houston. But to me, I (laughs) I kind of trust Joe Gaziano a little bit more there. So, um, you know, Tyler has this here as nose tackle and defensive tackle. Um, You could group them just as defensive tackles. Pretty much. Um, But to me, if you're talking about nose tackle, defensive tackle, I think it's just going to be Linvad Joseph that makes it. I, I don't really trust Braden Fajoko mm-hmm. or Forrest Merrill to make that spot. Um, I guess you can make an argument for Fajoko. Maybe he makes a little improvement. He's obviously being featured on the social media pages quite a bit. <laughs> um, I, I think that, to me, comes down to him or Christian Covington, who they signed. Um, and, and to me, I'm going to trust the, uh, the veteran presence there with uh, Christian Covington. So I, I don't really care about the differentiation of nose tackle and defensive tackle. I just mishmash them into one group. Um, but uh, yeah, I do have Linval Joseph, Justin Jones, Jerry Tillery. I think that's pretty obvious. Uh, and then, it, you know, there are kind of some question marks. Does Cortez Broughton come back? Um, I, I do think Covington ends up being their rotational piece. And I do yeah. have Fahoko making the roster, but I'm not necessarily like confident about that pick. I think they could definitely drop him in favor of another corner, or you know, if they feel like they need a little bit more help on the edge. So you know, that to me is uh, negotiable, I guess, in terms of making this roster. But yeah, I did have Joseph Jones, Tillery Covington, and Fahoko. Yeah, I have to. I have to let Fahoko make this roster just because. Unless Foster Morell, I didn't yeah. watch him. That was not my guy, so I don't know. But, um, you know, Cortez Brown, your pass rusher. Covington, you know, slim down, high RAS score. Kind of your pass rusher. Jared Goldwider could not hold up at the point of attack against the run, but he is a very quick first step pass rusher kind of guy. And I just think, like, Fajoko is the only guy that kind of can be your anchor in your 3-4 outside of, obviously, Joseph. And so, I mean, if Joseph goes down, are you sticking Justin Jones? You know, a, a nose tackle, like, I don't know. So I, I just think Fajoko being on the roster is almost a necessity at this point. If he's replaced by Muriel because he's a better nose type, that's fine, I suppose. Um, but I just don't think, like, any of these guys really 
have that same kind of bigger, heftier, you know, point of attack sort of, right. you know, thing that Fahoko has, which Fahoko's not much of a pass rusher either. I, I would actually just say Foster Muriel does have a really great, like, hefty point of attack. The problem okay. is it's just, you know, he's not, yeah, that's, that, that's it. Like, <laughs> he's just not very fine, and, like, he, I don't think mm-hmm. he's going to be much of a pass rusher. He's just kind of, like, maybe situational early down run stuffer, which, mm. as complicated as Brandon Staley wants to make this defense in comparison to, like, say, the Anthony Liniers and, and Gus Bradley... I, I just right. don't see really a spot for him, and Fahoko already has a year of NFL experience under him. Um, so to me, like I, I just think he wins out in that regard. But you know, maybe somebody like Merrill ends up kind of being that undrafted free agent. But I have a couple that are interesting later. But yeah, totally. So all three of us have Christian Covington making the roster. Then yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would definitely okay. keep him. I think he's a necessity just because well. they don't they don't have Damian Square anymore and they don't have a reliable yeah. rotational guy. So I think that you have to have him. Um, and you know he he's had a relatively long stable NFL career. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. You know, pointing out the Damian Square kind of role. Mm. Um, you know, I think Braden Fajoko could absolutely make the roster. I think Cortez Brown could as well. Yeah. Um, the other guys, I, I think that last spot to me, so I, I have five defensive tackles. Okay. To me, it comes down to Cortez Brown or Braden Fajoko, just kind of yeah. maybe who they, what their preference is there. Totally. Um, you know, I, I think those two players obviously have two different skill sets. So uh, let's move on, move on to the linebackers, the inside linebackers, if you want to be that specific. Um, obviously, I think Kenneth Murray, Drew Tranquil, and Kaiser White are safe. Um, Tyler, do you have anybody else making it? Obviously, you have you know Eggblay as an edge rusher. Uh, so, what do you make of the linebacker group after the uh, starting trio? Uh, Nick Neiman, slam dunk, should absolutely make the team. If nothing else, than a special teams you know contributor, but also as a guy who you know can actually play in some coverage. Um, so, I think he's definitely making the roster, especially because they've invested a pick in him. I believe Darius Swinton has already spoken highly of Amen Ogbong Bamiga. And if he yep. makes the roster great, I get to keep saying that name. Um, <laughs> like I wasn't a huge fan of his, uh, like as a linebacker, but you know, as far as undrafted free agents go, and a guy you can't like, undrafted free agent making the team and, and contributing on special teams is perfect. That's a perfect year one. So I could absolutely see him making the team. Um, I do think he does make the team, even though that's like that's a lot of linebackers for a team that's not going to use a whole lot. But then kind of like we talked yeah. about with, say, running backs, uh, Murray's got a, a, a broken shoulder practically that he's recovering from. Tranquil played three snaps. Kaiser White is hurt every single season. Um, and, and so I do think you should probably keep another guy on the roster. I just, I don't know, like, I guess, you know, Staley's talked about, or they've talked, the linebackers have talked about playing downhill and being more downhill linebackers. And I guess that's Ogbong Bamiga. But then they also talk about, like Chris Harris said, they, you know, Tranquil and Murray are going to do a lot more coverage this season as well. And that's not Amon Ogbongwamiga at all. So, like, it could swing either way. I'm going to say they keep him, but if we have to do some gymnastics to get this roster to 53 once we recount, then I could, I could, I could move on from him as well. So I'll say keep for now, sort of. And then I don't know about Cole Christensen, so I don't know. Yeah, I'll change my mind. So I originally had six linebackers and, and five cornerbacks, but... I think I'm going to keep an extra cornerback and cut uh, Egg Boulay, who I had as a linebacker. So 
I'm going to go okay. with, with the five. of I, I do think Ogbog Bumiga makes the team, uh, as well as Tranquil White-Murray and Nick Neiman. So I, I think you'll have those five linebackers. Um, Agboule might be the kind of wild card here, just because I do think he offers more of, more as a pass rusher than, say, like Ogbong Bumiga does. Um, yeah. But I do think... Man, I really like saying that name. Um, but <laughs> I... Um, yeah, I, I think that, that it's pretty safe that they'll go with five over six linebackers and then yeah. have an extra um, have an extra corner. Yeah, I, I do agree that they'll keep five. I, I think the like the vision that I have in, in terms of the linebackers is that you have the starting trio, mm-hmm. you have one that's like a rotational slash special teams guy, which is clearly Nick Neiman, and then you have a fifth which is like exclusively special teams in an ideal world, of course. Sure. So that to me is it's Eamon Ogbongbomiga or Cole Christiansen. You know, uh, like Tyler, I do happen to think that Eggblade is, is a little bit better suited as a as an edge rusher type. Um, you know, but like I do think that it's five, and I think they have you know their four that they will start and rotate, and then they'll have a fifth. Right now, I'm leaning towards Eamon because we've heard about him like recently. <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> uh, we haven't really heard anything about Cole Christiansen, and I'd be lying if I said I had you know sat here and watched army film of, of him. But I mean, he's he's jacked, like he's he's a buff dude. So you know, we'll have to see. Um, all right, let's move on to um, the. You guys want to do the corners or the safeties next? Do corners. Okay, let's do the corners because I I do happen to agree with Alex that I think they'll keep six. Uh, Tyler, you think they'll keep six corners as well? Uh, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. <laughs> yes, okay, I do think so, they'll keep six. So for our <laughs> for our audio audience, uh, Tyler just went through in and bolded Michael Davis, Asante Samuel, Chris Harris, Brandon Faison, Ryan Smith, and Tavon Campbell. So those are the six that I also have. I don't know if Alex has someone different, um, but it is um, obviously notable. Daniel Popper has pointed out that Brandon Faison is rotating with the ones mm-hmm. right now um, instead of Asante Samuel, which is, is something that we'll have to keep an eye on. Obviously, we'd all love to see Asante <laughs> Samuel starting, and, and that kind of is the expectation. Um, and then he called Ryan Smith a breath of fresh air today. So maybe he is going to play a little bit more than we all think after all, um, although it seems like he's going to be that gunner type as well. So Alex... Um, any chance that you know Ben DeLuca, Dante Va- Dante Vaughn, John Brannon make the roster? In your opinion, I think Brannon is theoretically possible because he was on the team last year, so he does have that experience. But to me, I, I just think they have too many bodies that like are also in there. I mean, they signed Ryan Smith. Ryan Smith is going to make the team because he plays uh, special teams, and they envision him as their ace. Um, Faison is going to make the team because he's rotating with the ones. Uh, and I, I think Tavon Campbell, you know, Tavon Campbell is, I think, maybe the guy that you could probably pull out based on, like, hey, you know, if Ben DeLuca or, you know, any of those guys are really, uh, you know, really shine, then you could probably cut Tavon Campbell. Um, but to me, I think he's the more safe pick. I, I also think he started playing well towards the end of last season. So, you know, I, I would want to see a little bit more of him. Um, just, you know, continuing uh, as a charger. So to me, Davis, Samuel, Harris, I think we're, yeah, everyone's in agreement there. <laughs> They're not going to cut their second round pick like we've been saying. Um, I, I was a little bit conflicted when I was making this because I thought, you know, I was thinking six linebackers, but I do think they'll ultimately go 
five linebackers, six corners. I was sort of thinking maybe they'll take one fewer corner because part of the reasoning for them taking six corners last year was because Derwin got hurt, but Derwin could also get hurt again. So, like, you know, that that's always a possibility. And I think with the way that Brandon Staley kind of prioritizes cornerback usage over, over linebackers, I think six is a safe bet, and I think we're all in agreement in terms of the guys. Yes, as far as the corners yeah. go, yeah. Sorry. That was, that was my bad. I was just uh, going to interject about Brandon Faison because I know there are a lot of people who kind of overstate how bad he's been. Like, I understand. Like, I'm not saying that he's been a great corner by any means, but I think at the end of the day, like, we got to realize that the, the expectations for an undrafted free agent are completely different than, say, Asante Samuel Jr. Like, we, before the season last year, you know, Jason and I were talking about potentially keeping face on over Michael Davis. And then Michael Davis had a breakout season. Mm. So I think that there is enough there with face on in terms of his physicality, his tackling ability, you know, potential as like a slot corner that they can use to cover the flats and things like that. Like I see enough of a role for me to be pretty confident in him as a backup. I like in an ideal world, would I prefer to have a better fourth corner? Yes, obviously. But I think you with face on and Ryan Smith and Tavon Campbell, you have three different kind of skill sets that are intriguing enough for me to be like, okay, like, you know, if Chris Harris goes down, I'm comfortable enough with Faison and Campbell and Smith figuring it out between the three of them. Um, that's just the way that I kind of look at things because I, I do. there is some good things to like about each of these three players. Um, so I know a lot of people are kind of lower on Brandon Faison, but, you know, the, the Chargers seem to like him enough to be rotating him with the ones. And Derek Ansley talked about him pretty glowingly. Like they like his physicality. Um, and I can kind of see what they're seeing in terms of his – ability as a tackler or somebody that they could they think can take a big improvement because he does have the physical skills there you know he just needs to put it together in terms of technique and coverages and mentally and things like that so um don't laugh at us you know keeping brandon face on because i do think that he is you know an intriguing player to, to to keep an eye on yeah and i also believe he was the leading special teams tackler for them last season all right i'm you know he can contribute on special teams and you know, the coaching staff has kind of shown which guys they value and which guys they don't value so far, and to me, Brandon Faison rotating with the ones, like I said earlier, like, whether you like him or not, I think that's pretty indicative proof that he's making the team. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the safeties here. Um, I, I think, obviously, Derwin James, Nasir Adderley are pretty safe. Mark Webb, is, I would include there as well. The question is, you know, we haven't really heard them talk very much about Alohi Gilman or Ben DeLuca. You know, they haven't added anyone else, obviously. So to me, like, it, it's pretty no-brainer in my opinion that Derwin, Nasir, Mark Webb, and Alohi Gilman make the roster unless they do sign someone else. Um, you know, I, I don't know enough about Ben DeLuca to say, hey, like, yeah, this is, this is an intriguing Dark Horse pick. But uh, I do think that you know, barring another signing that the four safeties uh, that Tyler has highlighted here are safe, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think this is kind of the easiest position. I mean, just Derwin, yeah. Nasir, and Weber safe. Um, Gilman is the guy that, like, maybe you could cut, but, like, I, I just, to me, I, I haven't seen enough of Ben DeLuca to be like, oh, man, dude, this guy should be playing over Gilman. <laughs> um, you yeah. know, and I, I don't think that'll end up being the case. 
So I think Gillen makes the team, and you know if he's better on special teams this year, um, that's good. And you know, realistically speaking, there will probably be moments where he has to play snaps uh, because Rayshon Jenkins is gone now, and because Mark Webb is is a rookie. Like so, I think he's gonna have to play, uh, and I think they ultimately decide to keep four safeties. I would like for them to keep Ben DeLuca. And there's a couple of reasons for that. I don't think, well, obviously there's only four safeties here. And so that's a pretty dreadful depth chart in terms of, you know, depth. Um, ben DeLuca is a guy who's not very athletic. And I believe he did test pretty poorly. But for a defense that wants to be multiple and learn multiple spots, he did play corner, slot corner, free safety, strong safety, and was all over the field. He's their leading, I think it's yeah, Charlotte. Charlotte's leading tackler, all-time leading tackler. He's a captain of the team. And he doesn't miss tackles. He's a very low missed tackle rate. And so for a guy who can play many different positions, tackle very well, I do think he has a special teams role. And then one injury, one guy goes down, and, and Ben DeLuca is on the field. So I don't know how many, I don't know how many safeties they usually... <laughs> right. So I don't know how many safeties they've usually kept. Like, I think they had, what, a die Watkins, not James. I don't know. I think there's a role for him. I honestly do. I think that the kind of if he's a captain, you know, the kind of guy that he is and the kind of tackles that he can make and the different roles that he can have on this defense, I think there is some value there. And, like, if it came down to Ogbong Bamiga or DeLuca, I would take DeLuca over Ogbong Bamiga because I do think DeLuca could have snaps pretty soon because yeah. this might not work out at safety. Like, this is... It, I'm glad it's... It's just... For it to be such a slam dunk that Alohi Gilman is making the roster is kind of like, ugh, I don't know. It's a really worrisome <laughs> yeah. position to be in. So, like, do I think DeLuca will make the roster? Maybe not. But there are definitely enough attributes there where I actually would recommend it, and I would recommend it over Ogbong Bamiga if it came down to a tiebreaker. Yeah, I, I could have, like, you can see what you're saying. And, you know, this <laughs> having four safeties is absolutely a little worrisome. And we've talked about that quite a bit. I would still love for them to... You know, go out and even if it's bringing back Jalen Watkins, like mm-hmm. oh, I, I yeah. think they need another body at the safety room. And I know that a lot of people are everything's roses right now and everybody's healthy <laughs> and I get that. But, you know, like Tyler was just saying, the thought of Ben DeLuca being on the field like that, that, that worries me, man. Like, like saying that sentence out loud of, of trusting Alohi Gilman even to play like significant snaps, like that doesn't make me feel very good. <laughs> yeah, I. I wouldn't be surprised if a Jalen Watkins came back at some point because somebody went down. I mean, just because Telesco yeah. has that familiarity with him, um, you know, so, and, you know, when guys go down, there's, I think Telesco made that remark on uh, Hard Knocks last year that people were ringing his phone. So, you know, if something does happen to Derwin, you know, there could be, you know, uh, guys that, that come back. So to me, I, I, I don't feel great about the four safeties, but, I also don't know how great you're supposed to feel about your fourth safety anyway. Like, we are talking about guys that are lower on the depth chart. Like, how confident am I in Chris Rumpf as the last defensive end? Remains to be seen. Um, You know, when we talk about edges. So, like, to me, there's a lot of guys on this roster that I'm not totally confident in at the end of it, but it's the end of the roster. Yeah, and if they have Chris Harris playing a little safety, then, like, I guess that will alleviate some pressure, but... Then you're also like, you know, you put Chris Harris at safety. Then you have to bring in Faison, Smith, or Campbell. Like, so 
It's just some give or take there. I, I still think, you know, they have the roster spots right now to bring in more bodies. Um, and, you know, we've talked a little bit about some of the free agents remaining out there that they could potentially sign. Um, but to me, like, if they're looking at, you know, potential additions left, I think I'd love to see another veteran on the offensive line, and I would love to see another veteran um, on the in the safety room and potentially an edge rusher. I think those three are the, the, the spots there. Um, so we talked a little bit. Obviously, we did a whole episode on kickers. Um, <laughs> Jesus does, Christ. Does anyone, does anyone think that Ty Long is not making this roster? I think he is, but... I do think there's a chance, I would say it's maybe 20%, that they do uh, a special teams clean house kind of thing, which is like, we've already talked about Michael Badgley and and maybe Cole Mazza not being safe, so if those two aren't safe, then, you know, is is Ty Long the shoe in that we think he is? I don't know. Um, I do ultimately have him making the roster, though. Why is Komaza not safe? Not that, like, I don't, like, listen, I don't know jack shit about how this guy's doing. <laughs> I didn't see him throw the ball over Tai Long's head. So, like, yeah. is he in danger just because there's another body who can do the exact same job and might be cheaper? Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if it's a cost thing because they're both undrafted, like, free agents. I mean, but to me, you know, if you have a new coaching staff and they brought in Ryan Langan and we saw we saw the, the Georgia State uh, long snapper hype tape, um, you know, I, I, I don't think he's in serious danger of not making the roster. But, you know, if the new coaching staff decides they like the long snapper better, you know, then I, I think that that's, like... To, to me, it's not like, okay, you know, you have this intense wide receiver competition. Like, it's just, you know, which long snapper do you like better? And I can see them going with a different guy, um, you know, being that it's Darius Swinton, a new special teams kind of coach uh, at this point. Yeah, I uh, so I put Langan down. But literally for the, like, the only reason I did that is because of the hype video. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, like, I don't know. Like, Colmaza seems fine to me. Like, maybe they're trying to maybe get a better athlete at the position. Like, that could be my only thought process because, I mean, Maza, I feel like, has done a good job in terms of snapping the ball. Uh, I can't really remember many instances in which he has put the ball on the ground so i don't know like he seems like he's doing a good job but i I like that hype video man it was funny (laughs) and it was (laughs) like i've never seen a long snapper hype video before so that that's the only reason i have for choosing langan over cole maza yeah uh, i'm not gonna act like i've watched five hours of long snapper film um, (laughs) like we've been saying this episode but you know to me i just think it could be maybe the coaching staff likes their guy that they picked as an undrafted free agent better um i you know, I did pick Langan to make the team just based on the fact that they kind of brought him in, but I could easily see it being Maza, and I don't care. It's the yeah. fucking long snapper. <laughs> so this is the moment that's going to define our podcast. If we are right, and by we, I mean you two, are right about Ryan Langan. <laughs> by golly, we called it first, and I will share that's... this all over social media. That's the that's the flag right there. We're, we're planting it. Ryan Langan, sign us up. <laughs> Um, uh, all right, so going back to it, I, I do think that Ty Long is, is safe. So mm-hmm. the, the one that is most up in the air is obviously kicker. Um, I, I do think the long snapper is probably about a 50-50 chance. You know, flip a coin, whoever you want. Um, but I do legitimately see a chance that each of these three kickers could make the roster. Um, 
right now, like, if you had to ask me, I'm kind of leaning towards Viscaino just because of hmm. what Darius Swinton was mm-hmm. saying about him. You know, he kind of had the best review of the three kickers when Swinton had his press conference. Um, obviously, none of us are going to know for sure. In most of these positions, right, we're just guessing right now in June, and things can obviously change once we get to training camp. Um next month and in preseason and stuff like that so i think kicker more so than the other positions is is going to be up in the air i think right now if i had to choose one i would probably say viscaino just because swinton talked about him pretty highly yeah um it could be viscaino uh but i you know when we did our kickers episode and we did our undrafted free agents episode i planted my flag into kessman island uh i'm a kess man but to me uh I, i just think you know, he has the best leg, and I think he has a really good college record. I mean, kicking in one of the hardest stadiums to kick in. And really, what this all comes down to is how they do in preseason and training camp. And, you know, if one guy goes right. five for nine and the other guy go, you know, the other two go, you know, six for seven, you know, maybe this isn't a conversation because um, it's really just going to be can you convert or not. But I. I, I just don't trust Michael Badgley on making long field goals, which is weird because he does have the longest field goal in franchise history, um, but he just hasn't <laughs> been able to kick that distance in a while. And what Swinton said about, um, you know, having two kickers, you know, to do uh, one to do the kickoff and one to do the uh, field goals. I don't think they're going to be doing that uh, this year. So to me, Badgley is out, and then I think it's really down to Kessman and Viscaino. Um, whichever one they take, I don't know, but uh, I'm a Kessman. Okay, well, first of all, it's very, I mean, not sad. It is what it is, and he deserves it, if you will, that Michael Badgley's not even being really talking about at this point. Um, I thought he had a much better shot to make the roster until Swinton came out and said, no, we like this kind of kicker, and that was clearly not Badgley, so... You know, unless they go out in the preseason and they get the ball and they drive the ball to the 35-yard line and then they just spike it a couple of times and then have Michael Badgley kick a you know 52-yard field goal with a gun to his head, we really won't know like how he is in those situations. And if he's not hitting him in practice, you know that's they the coaches will know that we won't unless we're able to go see it. Yeah. So, so not Badgley, which is kind of a bummer. Um, but because Swinton said that. He had scouted Vizcaino. I'm going to go with him. He did speak highly of him. And the fact that he legitimately, like, not only said he scouted him, but kind of knew his history from college or wherever he was all the way through his his game with the 49ers, was it? That it just seems like they're interested in him and have done enough homework on him. So, yeah, I think it's between these two guys. And I'll go Vizcaino on this one. Um, I say no to Kessman and yes to Kaino. (laughs) <laughs> good good play on uh, the alliteration there thanks um yeah i do think that kessman and viscaino it's probably about it again probably the similar situation as a long snapper in terms of being a toss-up um and we'll have to see i think obviously that one hinges more on the preseason and everything else than anyone any other position so um that is our 53 man predictions should we each run down our 53s just to so just so everyone's clear yeah, uh, I'll, I'll start, I guess. So with quarterback, I have Ch- uh, Justin Herbert and Chase Daniel. With running backs, I have Eckler, Jackson, Kelly, and Roundtree. Wide receivers, Allen, Williams, Johnson, Guyton, Palmer, and Reed. 
Uh, three tight ends and one fullback. I have Cook, Parham, McKitty, and Neighbors. Ten offensive linemen. It's really just the starting five plus their backups. So Balaga, Norton, Filer, Hymas, Lindsley, Quesenberry, Abushi, St. Louis, Pipkin, Slater. Um, and my three special teamers, I do have Long, Kessman, and Langan. Uh, my defensive tackles, Joseph Jones, Tillery, Covington, Fahoko, four defensive ends, Bosa and Wosu, Fackrell, and Rumpf. I changed my mind there because I initially had Eggboulet, but ignore everything I said about Eggboulet in that part of the podcast, I guess. Um, and then I do have five linebackers in Tranquil, Agbong, Bumiga. We've gotten so great at saying that. White, Neiman, Murray, uh, and then I do have the six corners, Davis, Samuel, Harris, Faison, Smith, Campbell, and Derwin, Nasir, Webb, and Gilman. Yeah, so I didn't print mine out, so <laughs> I was just kind of going to go off of this. Um, do we have 53 here? Are we over? I counted 53 on mine, uh, but that's just because yeah, I added the numbers. Yeah. No, you're fine. I mean, I mean, the way that we've stacked it up here, and at least that is... I know that we're not going to completely agree, but I think we're at like 55. So and this was actually tougher than I thought, honestly. I thought it would be a lot easier to come up with this roster when I was trying to figure it out. But no, like it's actually kind of difficult because I think we're at 55 right now. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Aren't 9, you the 10, one 10, who's 10, supposed 10, to be good at math? <laughs> First of all, racist. Second of all, bio major. <laughs> Aren't you I mean, Jewish? Yeah, I'm pretty good at math, I guess. <laughs> Um, all right, so I'll give my 53. I do. I have all three quarterbacks making it. Um, Herbert, Daniel, Stick, and then I have four running backs, Eckler, Jackson, Kelly, Roundtree, six receivers, Allen Williams, Guyton, Johnson, Palmer, Reed, three tight ends, Cook, Parra, McKitty, one fullback. I have nine offensive linemen. Uh, the fullback is Gabe Neighbors, obviously. Offensive line, I have Slater, Filer, Lindsey, Abuji, Balaga, Hymas, Questenberry, Pipkins, and Norton. I have five defensive tackles, Joseph, Tillery, Jones, Covington. I flipped a coin and said Broughton for the fifth. Edge rusher, I have Bosa, Nwosu, Fakro, Rumpf. I have five linebackers, Murray, Tranquil, White, Neiman, and Eamon, Ogbong, Bamiga. I have six cornerbacks, Davis, Harris, Samuel, Faison, Smith, Campbell. Four safeties, James, Adderley, Webb, Gilman. Three specialists, Tylon, Tristan, Viscaino, and uh, Ryan Langan. Yeah. That is the 53 for me. Awesome. Langang. Langang. There we go. Um, all right, guys. Any other thoughts before we uh, wrap up today's show? No, uh, uh, I, I don't. <laughs> I, I don't have. I don't have too many thoughts uh, other than just like these are just predictions in you know June because we're bored and we need content. Um, but you know things can change in the preseason when we see certain players you know if there's really some attractive free agents lighting it up or maybe there's some guys that were good last year that aren't great this year the new coaching staff doesn't like previous regime guys i talked about that with maybe Jalen guyton being a surprise cut but um i think it's too early to say anything definitive now but uh i I do think it'll just be interesting to see how they kind of go within the margins here with a full preseason because Last year, I think, felt very easy to predict just because there was no preseason and you knew that it was going to kind of be the guys that, you know, they know and then, that you know, felt confident in versus this year. I think there's more flexibility for those undrafted free agents like Ogbong, Vamiga and DeLuca and Kespin, you know, to, to make the roster. 
Yeah, you know, I thought it was easy to predict last year when everyone was telling me that Bobby Holly was the first team guy, and then they <laughs> fucked me over. So, I, you know, whatever. Like, I, 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 I don't know. I can't wait to see some preseason football. Um, the only reason we're doing this, well, not the only reason, at some point we were going to do this episode, of course. But, like, I think we suggested this because someone else suggested this. So that's kind of where we're at with our creative uh, talents right now, our creative flow. So if you want to suggest something else for us to do, have at it. Let us know as long as it's nice. Yeah, as long as it's nice, yeah. Absolutely let us know in the comments if there's anything you guys want us to uh, talk about in particular. Um, on the topic of special teams, make sure you guys go check out Arjun's video mm-hmm. uh, on the Chargers Historically Bad Special Teams Unit. He does a great job. Uh, he's been crushing it, man. His analytics videos uh, about Justin Herbert and potential regression there were fantastic as well. Um, and then Scott Simpson has been crushing it on our Fantasy Outlook videos as well. Uh, we always appreciate any constructive criticisms via YouTube comments or you know um, reviews on the audio platform. So make sure and hit us up there. And as always, we will see you guys next time. Thank God it fucking worked this time. Jesus, I couldn't do that internet stuff again. I kept all that. All right. <laughs> <laughs>